This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And we played Derby County last night. We decided after last night's game that we'll have to give it 24 hours till we stop seething. And we can sit around and actually discuss the match properly because I'll tell you something, after that match last night when we were 2-0 up at half-time and then we came back to 2 all at full-time, and it was definitely a game of two hours. I, I, there's absolutely no way in the world that I could have talked about anything last night without absolutely ranting and raving and going on about all sorts of stuff. So I just chatted to the characters and we said, tell you something, let's wait 24 hours. And we have done, my name's Billy Grant, I'm sitting here in the virtual joint a little bit calmer than I was last night after the game at five past nine when I was very unhappy about what had happened on the pitch there and I'm sitting in the VJ with Dave Laney Lane how are you doing Laney? Yeah I'm a bit better than I was yesterday evening as you say yeah I'm, I'm not quite as ranty there was a bit of language that appeared in, in my in my vicinity last night um, so yeah it was uh, it was just really really difficult to swallow that because uh, yeah, as you say game of two halves lots to talk about this evening and I kind of guess 24 hours later on your brain's moving on to Saturday's game just to kind of uh, put, put, put Tuesday out of our out of our minds to be honest because as, as, as a point's a point but there's a lot to, there's a lot to forget definitely a lot that I want to forget in that match as well we've also got Matt the Allard Allard how are you doing Matt now how are you yeah hello Bill pissed off in Twickenham here um just like yeah I was I was I actually had to switch off literally straight after the game because I thought I, I didn't think there would be any anything to be had from spending an hour talking to other people about it so I decided to remove myself from the conversation and um, and just yeah take myself away and then I sort of got involved in a in a, in a few conversations later on in the evening, um, but yeah 
it's um, it was it was a difficult one, really very very difficult. Yeah, it was. I mean, I did the same thing. I mean, if I remove myself from the conversation completely, and I, I think I went to bed actually. <laughs> you know, it was all too much for me. But I just thought, no, now tell you something. Let me just remove myself from the world, and I'll get up the next morning, and I'll be all better for this. But listen, tell you something. We're doing things slightly different this time because we're bringing somebody in a little bit earlier to this podcast. JB, the man with the funk and the facts. And tell you why, because we were feeling so down this morning, I thought, tell you something, JB always comes up with something really positive. So if we throw him into the podcast early, it may actually pick us up a little bit. So listen, we're going to talk to JB. We're going to find out what facts and what funk he's got after that horrendous Derby result. Jonathan Birchall here again. As we went in at half-time at Derby 2-0 up, it would have been right not to expect a 2-2 final score. For a turnaround result exactly like that, had only happened six times previously in our entire league history. That's on average once every 600 games. With many people trying to predict the results of the upcoming fixtures, it might all come down to that final game against Bristol City. As was suggested on the last podcast, our last day record against a Bristol team isn't very successful. In fact, four times our seasons have had such a fixture, with all of them away from home, and all of them ending in a long journey back down the M4. In 1930, we lost 4-1 to Bristol Rovers, and even though we'd won all home games that season, we finished second, but missed out on promotion, as only one team went up. In 1993, we lost 4-1 to Bristol City, as Phil Holder's Tiers 2 side were relegated on that final day. 1995, a 2-2 draw with Rovers, when David Webb's side finished second, but again, missed out, as only one team went up. And in 1998, a 2-1 loss to Rovers meant Mickey Adams' side tumbled into the fourth tier. On a more positive note, Derby was our sixth game of the season to be played on a Tuesday. And Ivan Tony's scored in all six of them. So there you have it, JB with his facts and his funk. And, uh, well, JB said it all there. You know, he talked about the fact that we were 2-0 up. And we've come back and uh, the opposition come back to two all. And it's actually only happened six times in the whole of Brentford's lifetime. And uh, it certainly didn't seem like that, the Allard, did it? No, to be honest, if you ask me, I'd say it happens about six times a season because that's what it feels like, um, especially at the moment. Um, and you talk about... You talk about let's, JB and his positivity, uh, then we get on to Bristol. So um, I don't know where the positivity is in there, Bill, um, for any of us that remember Bristol. Which, so, which yeah, Bristol? Oh, all Bristols <laughs> and Baths and Baths. That's right. For people that might not know, said Bristol City and Bristol Rovers are the places where things never happen for Brentford. You know, we either get relegated from there and we get relegated or we don't get promoted from there. And uh, we happen to be playing Bristol City in the last game of the season as well. And as you said last week, the Allard, what could possibly go wrong? And JB is just Put the nail in the coffin right there. So, JB, you're the man that puts us up, but I think you're just trying to bring us down, aren't you? Yeah, he's too cheery, that, that man, by half sometimes. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's only... It's, visits to Bristol are normally OK. It's just when they align with the last game of the season, it's, it, it normally ends in misery. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to be the same this year. I, 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 I think we're going to do all right, but whether it's enough, we shall see. 
We shall definitely see. So listen, we've actually got loads to talk about on this podcast. We've got Will the Spreadsheet Winker who's going to be giving us stats and facts from the game. And also he's going to give us a little bit of a uh, sort of a lowdown on what he's seeing, what's going on the back end of this season for us as well. Like I said to you, we've also got Holly from the Forest Fancast podcast as well. And she's going to be telling us exactly what's going down in the Forest Zone and... Uh, and we're just going to sit here and we're going to just talk about that Derby game, talk about the Forest game and talk about what our thoughts are for the next, well, 10 games of the season. But we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back after this little twang. So Derby County, a definitely a game of two halves, wasn't it, Laney? Yeah, it was. And I, I think going going into the match, you know, when, when the team was announced and um, we saw Pontus Jansen was was named and that, that really did take us all by surprise, I think. I don't think any of us expected him to be starting and as captain. And um, I think when you looked at the team, um, I, I immediately was pumped full of positivity. I thought, right, this is a real strong team. This is as strong as it gets, really. Um, obviously, apart from Rico not being available... Um, so uh, when when the team started and you saw the way we controlled the match and going 2-0 up, I thought, you know, all our, not all our Christmases have come at once, but, you know, there was absolutely nothing to suggest that this wasn't exactly how it should be going forward now. All the, all the players that we've been waiting to return are returning. Uh, we were bossing the game, we were controlling it, we were creating chances, we were missing guilted chances, but then we went and scored another one. And it, it didn't seem to matter that we missed because the, the amount that we were creating, it would suggest that we were going to carry on scoring. And at half-time, I said to my son, right, this, this is a... We, we could we could score as many as as we we can here because this is a four or five nil game if we carry on, but to see that happen in the second half was was a, was atrocious. You know, it was what the hell am I what the hell am I watching? And it, it wasn't as if we'd had the players that had been waiting to come back sent off. Or they weren't playing anymore, or we'd subbed them to protect them at half time. We'd we'd sort of gone, oh well, this game's won. We'll we'll, we'll take off all the you know all the the fragile ones, the fragile lads. Um, it was exactly the same lineup. You know, Thomas didn't change it. Um, they scored really early, obviously, um, which was a kind of a I thought would be a wake up call, not a kind of sit back and soak it up for the next. 30 minute kind of call or even to the end um, and I think Thomas to kind of to his credit you know he, he tried to put on a brave face at the end of it and say you know we have to focus on Saturday all this negativity we have to kind of like box it away and it doesn't do us any favours but you know the, the, social, the, the social media meltdown was, was this time um, was completely self-induced uh, the, the, it feels like a defeat. It was a draw. Um, I think some of us would have probably taken, may have taken a draw to start with. But when the when the game is being played out and you see just how completely in control we were, to to, to see it flip round is is inexcusable. So you know the anger and the vitriol and the the kind of frustration and the just the like holding your head in your hands and just digging your nails into your forehead just out of frustration is 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 unavoidable. You know if you don't if that if last night's game didn't have that effect on you, 
you don't really care about Brentford because you know any any Brentford fan watching that would have been irate at the end of it, and that's that's not only the the usual suspects that are irate if if Canos uh, mistimes a pass, you know this is even even uh, you know even the most positive upbeat kind of you know open-minded fans would have been just banging their heads against the wall. And I know we're talking about this 24 hours later on, and this isn't, we haven't been sticking our heads in the sand for 24 hours. Um, you know, I, I think it's a few home truths were kind of laid bare last night, and, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to talking about them tonight. A lot of people say, actually, that we should have put this game to bed by half-time. I mean, we should have been out of sight, shouldn't we? Yep, we had opportunities to be out of sight. Um, the 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 Bremo one is the obvious one that comes to mind. Um, we we possibly yeah we just we could have been we if we'd have been three 0 up at half time. Does it still happen? I you'd like to think not, but the way the game changed, maybe it does. Maybe maybe they work harder to score a second goal earlier and get a third. I don't know. It, it was it, it really did feel like we were we were completely out of control of the game in the second half. And to be honest, I think I, I honestly think we probably would have lost if they'd have scored a second goal, maybe before the 80th minute. I, I think we could well have lost that three two. Because that is how much the game flipped. And I'm one of these people that talks about, often we get, oh, it's a game of two halves. And, and actually, I look at why was it a game of two halves. Quite often, it's conditions, wind, stuff like that. Last night was a proper game of two halves. So, it, you know, it, it was just indistinguishable from the first half. But interesting you say it was a game of two halves. Even Thomas Frank said that the Derby substitutions... You know, in particular, we're talking about Sibley and, and Gregory. They changed the game. So they've come out and they had a complete... Because in the first half, I'm not being funny. I mean, I've got me... And this is a Forest podcast as well. But, you know, the Forest chums sort of messaged me during the game going, well, on, yeah, get in the... And I said to them, I'm not being funny, but Derby, they're just not very good. 2-0 at half-time and I just thought it was done and dusted. We've come out second half and like, you know, my eyes were like, you know, you know, like the, like the rabbit in the headlights. So Christ knows what the Brentford players were like, you know, or saying that they actually weren't on the pitch. I was still in the dressing room as Derby was passing the ball around them, you know. So, you know, second half they've come out, d- d- made, made the second half substitute. Rooney's obviously gone, right, this ain't working, this is crap. Boom, he's made a decision. Boom, he's, he's kicked off and he's changed it all up. And we are caught, like I said, rabbit in the headlights. Before you know it, they've scored a goal. There's an argument to say whether or not they should or shouldn't have scored the goal, whether or not the man was lost by our central defenders, you know, all this kind of stuff. Now, these guys changed the game. The question that's been asked by so many people now is that how have we been so slow, stroke, even not even slow, but enable to react to them changing that game? Well, they, they changed tactically as well. It wasn't just bringing two players on. They went three at the back, and they and they they brought you know they pushed um, the wing backs up. And and obviously you can't react to that at half time because you don't know they're going to do that. So you have to allow a period of time to react, which maybe is five minutes, maybe it's ten minutes. Now, ideally, you don't let a goal in during that five or ten minutes. We did let a goal in after two minutes, and then we still didn't react. Um, so not only did we could see that the game had changed, we'd also let a goal in, and we didn't react. I, I, I think Thomas has to take some some flack for that 
uh, you know, it, it was clear that, that they were going for it and they were changing things. Second half, there was three three subs lining up before we even come out of the tunnel. Someone's got to tell Frank that, you know, <laughs> these players are coming on. There's it's, it's, it's three subs here, you know. So uh, you have you have to cope with that and adapt. And, uh, you know, I think give them credit that they, they got the goal. But as you say, Matt, you know, we waited too long to, 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 to change anything up. And we 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 can criticise, I guess, uh, quite quite legitimately. I think that he le- he leaves it too long before he makes substitutes anyway. Um, whether that's kind of like uh, a time in his head that he doesn't like to change anything, he likes to give players a chance, or I don't know what. But so, you know, I think I get frustrated that. I can see something that needs changing, and I'd like substitutions to be made quicker sometimes. But last night, it was clear that something something had to be flipped, um, and it it was just wave after wave, and we gave possession away. We were we were sort of penned back. We were pressed. We didn't kind of even try and beat the press that often with with a with a longer ball or or, or, or do anything any different, and um, that's. That, that was just inviting them on, and you know, the, the, we were penned back. And I, I, th- I just, I think we have to be cleverer than that. You know, t- teams are obviously, we, teams have pressed us hard over the last couple of months, and you know, we, we have to have an answer to that by now. It's just, this isn't, this isn't like a fluke. This is, this is something that we have to deal with. The, the one thing I would say, and, and there is a, there'll be a little bit of, def- well, I don't know if it is defence. I think when I, when he, when the team rolled out last night. And we saw that Janssen was back and we went, yeah. And then I went, oh, Reed's still playing. So I thought, hmm, that's going to make us a little bit immobile on the left-hand side because I'm assuming Reed will switch over to the left. And then he's got Mads Beck Sorensen next to him. So I, I, to be honest, I thought there were already warning signs. You, I, I've said this about Reed before. I appreciate his defensive abilities. You can certainly play him. But I, I, I really question Reed and Mads Beck together and then expect you're going to be able to play out fluidly from the back. I, I, I think that's a real hard ask. Which is interesting, even though whoscored.com and that's one of the sites that we use, just to just get an idea of what they're thinking and how they play, but they actually gave Reed the star man for actually for the whole game. You know, not only for Brentford, but for the whole game, which again, which is quite interesting because I'm trying to sit down and, and work out kind of, you know, what are the factors that they put into actually kind of doing this. But that was quite interesting. I, he, he did his job defensively. I'm not saying, he, you know, he didn't do his job defensively and, and probably a lot of the marks come from that. What I'm saying is, is if you want to play fluid football and we try and play fluid football, how on earth are you going to play it on the left-hand side of your back four with with Reed and Madsbeck Sorensen. I, I, I don't see how you can do it. Well, well Rooney had clearly identified that as a weak area and they, and they targeted it. You know, it, 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 it was clear with, for anyone with any, you know, with any technical now, tactical nous. Um, and that's, that's, that's where he, they went, they went for it. And, um, you know, and I guess it, it opens up the wound of our transfer dealings in January again. I mean, you know, it, it, it is, it is obvious, and it was obvious, and it and it's starting to show now that that you know I'm not going to criticise Mazbek Sorensen because it isn't his fault. You know he isn't a left back. He he never said he was, and and, and he, he he certainly isn't a Rico Henry replacement. So why oh why oh why did we not bring someone in 
if we're going to let Dominic Thompson go to to Swindon, now I, I don't, I'm not privy to what decisions were made about whether to keep him, whether to send him out on loan. I'll, I'll trust them that they wanted to send him out. But if they are going to send him out, you have to bring someone in just in case Rico. You know, we've said this a hundred times that that this is a season of rotating the squad. This is a season of of players getting fatigued. And we've rotated pretty much everyone, and we and we didn't think it was we didn't think it was astute to bring someone in to protect the player that really is our heartbeat. I I yep absolutely I I reckon part of what has played is we this isn't the first time we've taken a risk. I'm not saying we've left back, but we've taken a risk with um, two seasons ago. Mope if he'd have got injured, okay. Watkins could have come across but at that point Watkins wasn't a centre forward last season what happens if Watkins is injured we've taken chances before we've got away with it we've taken a big chance this time and we haven't got away with it we, I mean we do sort of um, we, we, we skim it quite on the line I think Brentford do we kind of we, we've got our idea of how we want to do things and, uh, and we skim it so that we kind of just about do it. So we, I think we get the right amount of players in. We get the right type of players in. I think a lot, a lot of other teams, you know, listen, there must be reasons for it. Financial reasons, maybe kind of bonding reasons, you know, why we may or may not do this. But, you know, um, other teams might you know, decide to have two or three left backs, you know, and two or three right backs and, you know, all different players in different positions. And, you know, we do things for different reasons. And I think, you know, for the last maybe four or five seasons, we've got away with it. You know, we didn't have that many injuries and maybe we thought that this season that we can actually go slim and we'd actually kind of get away with it. And to be fair as well, you know, at the beginning of the window, Henry was fit and he fit all the way through the window and he got injured just after the window closed, I think it was right. And it was one of those scenarios like, oh no, Henry's injured and we haven't got any backup, so we'll we'll stick Mads back there, which is, you know, not ideal. No, that's, 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 that's letting them off. You know, that they did have a replacement there and they sent him out on loan. You know, there, there, there was cover and then there wasn't cover and they didn't bring anyone in and having having no cover for a player where, that you rely on almost completely um, for your, your most most prolific attacks down the wing to not have not have a replacement for him and have 60 million quid in the bank it is a very it's a very awkward look for the DOFs I, I do have to say and to be honest, I, I think it was the same last season because um, Watkins was our only centre forward and Force was out on loan. And we could, and, and if Watkins had got injured, we'd have been having this discussion 12 months ago. Yes, it's interesting. I was talking to me, to, uh, talking to Miss Swindon Chums, as you do as well. And the interesting thing about Thompson there, they said to him, you know, that he started off well. You know, he's tailed off a bit. They think it might be, you know, the, it might be the manager because they're, they're not overly confident with the manager they've got at the moment now. But also, they did say that Thompson seems to have a little bit of, a, and again, I'm paraphrasing here. There may be like some sort of kind of attitude. He's been, you know, pulled up for talking back to the manager a few times. He's all. Also, the manager was actually going to pull him off the pitch, I think, the last game because of that. So maybe there's also kind of, you know, there's a, a, a temperament thing that's going on. And I don't know, maybe that did or didn't work out, you know, within the Brentford camp. And maybe they felt that they needed to put him out elsewhere so that he can actually get a little bit of experience. So he can also manage to temper his temperament. I'm not, I'm not saying Dominic Thompson is the answer. You know, it, 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 they may have been right to, to, to say that you know, he's better off on loan at Swindon rather than not at, at, at Brentford. But then you, you, you do something else in that market. You know, it was clear, we, we, there, was more, there was a more 
more urgent need for left-back cover than there was a centre-back cover at the time, but we still brought Reed in. So, you know, we, we were kind of like seeing worst-case scenarios. So I, I, I honestly say, you know, yeah, there are probably mitigating circumstances and they're probably, they sat down and they thought about it and they probably thought, oh, well, but it's the one thing probably it's going to come back and bite us in the arse. And it, it, started, to, it started to already. I, I, I sort of think that, carrying on from that point, that... Um, if you do decide to go out with any left-back cover, fair enough if you've got some plans. But if your plan is Mads Beck Sorensen, and there's no criticism of him like you say, Dave, if that was your plan, I don't think it's a great plan. No. Because we don't play football that way. Our left-back doesn't play that way. No. And, and even you need someone, you know, we need someone... Uh, Rico, Rico is so good it's very difficult to go and get someone else exactly like him but we need someone in that kind of mould to, to be able to, to do that kind of job and I kind of assumed we had someone at the club that they thought could do that kind of job not someone at the club that can basically play left back defend left back head balls out and all of that stuff but really unfortunately due to, due to the fact he's a centre back can't contribute otherwise question I'm going to ask you okay Thomas Frank is he a stubborn manager I've heard a lot of people bounding that round around um, is he a principled manager or, or is he a good manager who looks at his team and he says actually tell you something I'm looking at the players that I've got and I'm going to give them time and I'm going to develop them and maybe they might make mistakes but I'm just going to go with the flow what do you think the Allard I think um, I think he does develop players I think I think he does stick by them we saw the, that with Canos um, but I think we're at the point of the season where that isn't the time to do that. Um, and, and if something isn't working, you need to do something else. Um, I, is Mads Beck not working? I would say it's not really working. But have I got a solution for it? Maybe we'll discuss that later. I, th- I think he's a patient manager. I think he's bought into the, you know, the, the, the whole vision. He knows how Brentford operate. Um, I, I think he he would if he was really honest. I think he'd be bloody frustrated himself. I don't I don't think um, he's been given a huge amount of backing in terms of uh, bolstering the squad uh, this season. Um, I think Ivan Tony obviously has has been a roaring success. Um, but if if he hadn't have been, um, then we would we would be mid table. So you know that that. Aside, um, you know, I think he he needs to take a lot of credit for that as well. He's integrated the player, um, taught him to to play our way. He'd learnt early on that you know what was expected of him, whilst he was expected to score goals as well. He's, he's done that. Um, uh, I think Thomas Frank has done an incredible job in um, picking us up from off off the deck after missing out against Fulham in the playoff final. I think he's he's taken uh, a squad that's been missing um, uh, Pontus Janssen, Norgard Jensen, Mbwemo, who's not the player he was last season, um, Justice Silva, um, Canos has been in and out of form, um, and now he's lost Rico Henry, and then to, to guide a, a, a team on a on a 21-22 unbeaten run to take him to the top of the division, I think. It is an incredible achievement that he's done, um, but he's made big mistakes as well. Um, but this one, I think he'll be frustrated. I, I, th- I think there's no manager in the world that would, would have been happy to have his left-back uh, uh, options completely 
like uh, exposed and he's the one that's got to pick up the pieces really you know he's the one that gets most of the crap on online for for, for what happened last night I think the players um, need to take some some sort of uh, responsibility for that as well uh, um, I, 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 yeah I, I can see why he gets he's getting pelters um, but some of it's not some of it's not his fault some of it is some of it is um, but he's still the perfect still the perfect fit for us at the moment okay so listen we're going to come back and talk about that talk about a load of other things and also we're going to talk about you know this derby result which has got a lot of people disappointed but in the bigger picture how bad a result is it really we're going to go back and talk about the survey that i talked about the podcast last week which is on besotted.com as well because there's a lot of interesting points about that we've also got reese who's going to give us his view because he actually did the survey and he predicted derby to draw against brentford and he's giving his views on where he thinks we're going to go from there but first of all we've got will the spreadsheet winker now will this little section here was actually formed by forest fans who who started to call brentford fans spreadsheet Winkers, because we, we we do a bit of stats in you know in what we do when we watch our football, so we created this section specifically, and we got Will in the spreadsheet wink, who's great, and he's actually looked at that derby game, and he's looked at the statistical side of the derby game, and Will is going to tell us what exactly went down on the stats front in that derby game. It's spreadsheet winker, it's a winker, and it does seem good like it pretty well should. That was one of the most frustrating games of two halves I've seen so far this season. In terms of XG, Bees made 1.32, including one penalty, and Derby made 1.62. Bees were in total control at half-time, having limited Derby to one insignificant attempt on goal all half, and created enough XG even without the penalty to be comfortably ahead. In the second half, it was quite literally a role reversal, with Derby making several massive chances and the Bees essentially nothing. It ended up being a story of two missed opportunities, one per side. Firstly, there was Brian and Burmo's huge chance to put the game beyond the Rams in the 16th minute, where a beautiful crossfield pass from Sergi Canos was slotted wide. This chance had 0.23 xG, so it's the sort of shot you'd expect to go in the back of the net reasonably regularly. Then in the second half, Lee Gregory missed a golden chance to take the game to 2-2, which eventually would have won Derby the tie in the 57th minute. It came from a corner punched directly into the air by Raya before two B's defenders failed to hoof the ball clear and it fell to Gregory. All too often you see those go in off a jammy deflection and Infogol reckoned the attempt would have been scored a massive 64% of the time on average. In terms of the goals actually scored, Brentford benefited heavily from a penalty for the second game running. Automatically a 0.77 xG chance, Ivan Tony slotted it calmly home in the 8th minute after Mbermo was brought down clumsily in the box. Then there was Sergi Canos' 23rd minute goal lasso, which might be the sexiest goal we've scored this season so far. A crisp pass from Raya to Ivan, who backhilled it to Brian, in turn releasing Canos on the left-hand side to cut in and blast home along the floor. And this was a tiny 5% chance. Derby's goals were similar, except for the fact that their first didn't come from a penalty. Pontus losing his man Gregory, who slotted home unopposed at the far post. And the skipper really shouldn't be making mistakes like that. That was the best chance of the match, at 0.68 xG. And Derby's second was a wonder strike from Louis Sibley, plain and simple. A tiny 4% chance which we were accustomed to seeing Josh De Silva score every few games. Not much which can be done to stop those ones, if they're goal bound it's as much through luck as anything else. But there is no way that Derby should have been allowed to be in the game at that point, both from an attacking and a defending perspective. We should probably have scored three, and the mistake from Pontus giving Gregory an empty net to shoot at was easily avoidable. 
So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker with his lowdown on Derby. And I have to say, Forest fans, thank you very much for giving us the inspiration for uh, creating this little section, which, uh, which which we do it every week now, actually. We've got Will, the spreadsheet winker. He comes on, he sits in his lab, he knocks up all sorts of numbers, graphs and everything like that. Then he tells us about it on the show. We chat around it and then he goes away. And then we hear from the next show. And every now and again, he even pops onto the show as well. And we get him on for the full full show except for last show because his girlfriend's a Blackburn fan anyway listen Will gave us the lowdown on Derby County there and um, you know not much to say there really you know fairly even like I said on the XG front you know we were slightly above them which is probably unusual for us nowadays but it was a game of two missed chances and Bumo like I said to you <laughs> you know I think it's it's probably slightly disrespectful when you do that and say I could have put that in the back of the net because, uh, you know, you know that the fact is that if we'd actually been out there on the pitch ourselves personally and uh, the chance had come across, we probably would have uh, put it into row Z. But um, it was it was one of the opportunities, probably one of the easier opportunities or probably I say even the easiest opportunity that Mbomo's had in the past few months to have put himself and notched up another goal on the score sheet. And it was a little bit disappointing. Brian Mbomo would have scored that goal. Um, the fact that he didn't, I think, shows how how far this Brian and Bumo is different from last year's Brian and Bumo. It, 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 it's, it's kind of really concerning um, that we're watching a player out there that's kind of so out of form and out of sorts. Uh, he, he doesn't, he can't, he can't seem to go past his man anymore on the outside. He seems to kind of can't cut inside his man, um, and when he tries to pass side to side and tries to pick out Canos you know switch play from wing to wing it just gets cut out not even by their fullback just by one of the one of their central defenders stepping forward um it is difficult to see why he's being picked and I and I and I, and I admire Thomas for for sticking with him and hoping he finds form because he's an incredible player but he's a shadow absolute shadow I think I, th- I think um uh, Ironic, is it ironically? Probably isn't the right use of the word. I think he did actually make the pass to Canos, didn't he, for Canos's goal? Um, a, a sort of a crossfield pass, the only time it, it, it worked. But the reason I bring that in is not to say that you're wrong, Laney, because you're right. It's to say that every now and then we see a glimpse of, of it. We know he's still, we, we know he's a player, we, we, we know he's got so much talent. Um, it's just incredibly frustrating to watch him struggle at the moment. I suspect he's just as frustrated as we are. I, I, 100%, but is, is 1 in 10 OK? And, and, and it's, it's, like, it's like with, you know, with um, Jensen's free kicks in his corners. You know, they hit the first man or they, they, they get cut out and then they, or they, it, it skews out and then the 11th one works. Is that, is that good enough? I, I, I don't think it is. I think two different stories. Um, what, what you're saying about Brian, no, I agree 100%. All I'm saying is is that, is that we know, you, you every now and then see a glimpse that he can do it. So you know that, that, that he's still got that ability. The ability's there. It's not about the ability. It's something going on in his head. Um, and, um, and, it, and, it, and, and whether that's a lack of confidence, whether that he's not feeling he's in the right place at the, at the right time, isn't in the right frame of mind, that... You know, there are a lot of people struggling at the moment with lots of stuff that's going on. We can only guess, but but he is still the talent he always was. And every now and then you see a glimpse of that. And that's all I'm saying. 
I, I, but but I agree. I, I, he probably needs a rest. He probably, you know, I, I'd be surprised if he starts Saturday. Um, I, I think just take him out the firing line for, because because we've got Fosu. Although we may need to put Fosu, at, you know, <laughs> that depends what we do with left back. So. <laughs> Yeah, and, and as you said, you know, as, as you know, as we Sam Saunders was with us in the in the Globe as we were watching the I think the, the League Cups, uh, the playoff semi final as well, and we talked about Bumo, you know, and, and and we just said, you know, sometimes he, you know, he, he can be a bit off, and he just said, you, you do forget he is really young, and I know he's obviously a bit older than he was six months ago, but he is still really a really young player. So I think we have to remember that. Obviously, the, 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 the coaching staff think he is a, a very good player. You know, he did play for France under-21s last year. Then he came back, he got COVID, he's come back. He hasn't quite looked the same since, but yeah, he is a good player. And also, the other thing I, I do have to say, even though he hasn't scored the, what's it, 14 goals or whatever he did last season, he is up on the assists this season than he yeah. was on last season. So he is important in some way because he is feeding the goals in to, you know, to the players to actually score them. And, and, and I think I think that's why he's keeping his place in the team. To be honest, is that is that actually if you look at the numbers, his assists level is reasonably good still. And none, and none and none of us are saying that he's not a great player, and none of us are saying that we don't want him to get back there, and none of us are saying that you know I never want to see him to play. No, none, none of that. And I, I, I say, and I fully understand why he's we are persevering and giving him every opportunity, and hopefully putting arms around him and giving him that support he may not have seen his family for ages may not you know there is loads of loads of stuff as you're right to point out Matt but during the 90 minutes there's a great big problem on the right hand side last night and that's what we're talking about you know it is it it wasn't good enough for any player you know I, I hope he's back quickly and I, I hope he's all right but you know, I, I don't think he should start on Saturday. So listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this into the pot. You know, this is like you know, this is slightly the elephant in the room. But I feel as a podcast that what you do is that we're meant to be taking in. You know, we look around. I mean, I've been looking around. You know, all this morning. You know, all last night, listening to what people have said. You take these views in. You take these these thoughts and you throw it out there and you throw the questions. So I'm I'm gonna throw in the question that some people, quite a lot of people, have been asking. Is Thomas Frank the right person for the job at Brentford at, the, at, the, at this very moment in time? And this is not, and I'm just really emphasising this, I'm not saying Thomas Frank out or are people saying Thomas Frank out. I'm just throwing the question in there that lots of people are asking at the moment now with the squad that we have this season, you know, even though, um, you know, some people are saying it isn't as good as last season but we've got a good squad out there as well and even maybe looking at the squad that we had last season is Thomas Frank the right person to be taking us where we want to go Laney uh, I, I, I reeled off in the last section all of the things that I think he's done exceptionally well this year so picking us up getting the players back believing getting us winning most weeks and if we're not winning we're drawing. We, we have, you know, we're not. We haven't lost a lot until fairly recently. It was, it was three games up until, up until the Barnsley game. Uh, he's not been backed in the transfer window as much as I, as I'm sure he would have hoped. Um, he is a bit of a scapegoat. Uh, he's had to himself cope with the disappointment of last year, and uh, he has to go out and put on a brave face. That's what all managers do. I couldn't do it. He, he, he is a calm, calculated, nice guy. Uh, 
to talk about this at this split this moment in time i think is uh disrespectful to him i think we have to give him until the end of the season and then we i think legitimately and uh, what's the right word i think it's, it's a natural time uh, at, at the as a natural pause, and then if, if if for whatever reason he doesn't take us up for a second time, and the question is is will he ever do it? Um, I think then then you have that conversation. I think for the moment we get ourselves completely and utterly behind him and the players for the last ten games, and we have a have this conversation at the right time. Having this conversation now does no one any favors. It can only Make the 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 doubt and the, the the insecurities and the question marks over themselves uh, more, and I I don't I don't think any any good can come of that. So yes, to answer your question, yes, he is the right person to take us to the end of the season. I I agree that I agree. Um, I I know that it would be much more fun if I disagreed, but but the bottom line is, look, we are as I understand it, I believe we are. Um, I think we're seven points up on where we were in this position last year. We're three points off second, and maybe last year we were, I don't know, ten points off second or something at this point. Um, So he's completely earned the right to finish the season without us even questioning whether... You know, it isn't even a question for me. He's earned the right to finish the season, absolutely 100%. He's been struck with far more injuries and problems this year than he was last year. Yet we're performing, I know it doesn't feel like it because of last night and maybe even because of the last 10 games we played, but we're performing at the moment better than we did last year and we came that close last year. That wasn't very good for, for listening, was it? But I did that sort of little mark thing. Um, and, um, and, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's not a question to be had at the moment. At the end of the year, like, like in most jobs, you have an end of year review, don't you? And that's when you talk about this sort of thing. It's not now. Okay, so the question, and again, I'm just throwing the questions into there. Interestingly, when Dean Smith was uh, very streaky and he was doing well, didn't not doing well, doing well, not doing well, and the club thought, you know, they thought on their toes and they thought, tell you what we need to do, we need to bring in somebody to help out Dean Smith tactically in areas that maybe he's not as strong. So they decided to bring in oh, Thomas Frank. So Thomas Frank came in and worked with Dean Smith for a couple of years. And the next minute, he's now stepped up. Now, Thomas Frank is in the situation where, like I said to you, we've met him. He's a lovely bloke. He's, you know, he's a real thinker. He's a real football person. I think he's, I think he's, I mean, I think he's brilliant. You know, I think that, like I said to you, I think he's a principled person. Whereas he, it's something that he believes in. He will stick to it and he will go with it. And sometimes I think that could be his, to his detriment because what he'll do is he might stick with it too long. And then that might be a mistake. But then, you know, some people say, well, principal, principal people, you know where you stand with them. You know, and at the end of the day, that principal people, if they really believe in something, they're not flip flopping all over the place. And, you know, if you want to go to politics, there's a lot of flip flopping going around in politics, as you know. But some people, when they're principal, they stick to their principles. And eventually, when things is the right timing, it falls into place. And I think he's that type of person. But, you know, is, is he the type of person that may need somebody else? to come in because he's got his own man at the moment now right is he going to need somebody else to come in maybe to help him with maybe certain areas maybe it might be certain social areas maybe certain areas in dealing with the actual players to get them really motivated not saying that he can't do because I don't know what he can and can't do I'm just wondering Laney what's your thoughts look 
that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen in the last ten games of this. I'm season. not asking that for the last ten games. I'm just this is no, a conversation. No, what he, what he, it's a conversation what he, what we're having what he now. Do, you know what he, what he might he might do, but that's for next season. So we, we, but we're, we're having the conversation what, now, lady. Well, possibly, possibly, possibly not. I, I, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know what. I, I don't think. I don't think it's too too harsh for him to to be to be have a, have a meeting by the DOS and some stick a rocket up his ass. I, I I'm not saying that he's doing everything right. Um, I'm saying, but what I'm saying is he's done enough right considering the turnaround between last season and this season was like two seconds, like a click of the fingers. Um, and he's, he's he's coped with all of that, and he, I think he's done an incredibly difficult job very well. And again, not to say he hasn't made big blunders throughout the season at, at certain times, and I think it's only fair for some of them to be to be called out. Last night was one of them. He's he's sometimes uh, reactive rather than proactive. I, th- I I honestly think that the, he's missing a trick by introducing uh, fresh legs at the beginning of the second half. You know, it seems to be a tactic that a lot of a lot of the teams are doing. Rooney did it to a great effect last night, and um, you know uh, Barnsley do it. And even in the game, even in the games where we've been down and need to turn around games he still waits for half an hour plus of you know um uh, sorry uh, he still waits for 60 minutes plus before he actually does things sometimes so i i, I again this is for the season debrief at the end at the end of it i i, I who you know who are you suggesting and, and what are they going to do i i just don't i don't see it happening now and i don't see it being i don't see it being a positive i see it being a negative I think we need we need to get back to um, becoming an imperfectly great team um, and uh, take get us up to the international window, and then come back. We got we got sort of nine games to go then, which is very very similar to a certain situation last year. Was it? Is it not? We we, we can we can see the end end line, and we're quite good at that. The Elard, any thoughts? Um. I, yeah, it's not a conversation to have now. Um, I think that it always makes sense to have a to have a conversation about whether you know what are my weaknesses, how can I improve them, and if that solution is bring in somebody that has got more experience, maybe that is the answer. But ultimately, we bought sort of Thomas Franklin as a, almost as a tactical guru for um, for Dean Smith. So, is there a tactical guru for? For Thomas Frank, I'm not. I'm, I'm not so sure there is. That there may be other weaknesses in his management, and and, and he might need potentially need some help there. Maybe you need to, you know, adjust the adjust the the setup with the coaching team. I don't know, but like Dave says, let's talk about it at the end of the season. I think, and and I know it would be entertaining to talk about it now, but I, I just don't think it is the right time to talk about it. Let's see what happens at the end of the season. So, question: We were two nil up against Derby. And then we came back to Tool. And then people start talking about, you know, we played Fulham and then we lost 1-0 against them and we went up against Stokes last season and we lost to them and Barnes we played them and we didn't beat them. And a lot of players, I mean, Clinton Morrison, you know, turns around and apparently the quote from Clinton Morrison is that everybody in the media want Brentford to go up and they want them to do well. But every time they get an opportunity, 
they fluff it basically they just don't rise to the occasion when they're meant to do it so are we basically a big game balls up team because that's what you know it's it was ironically Leeds fans keep trying to call us that and they, they were that for years and they, they finally managed to go up last season finally but you know they're sort of saying oh yeah Brentford they're going to fluff it yet again big game I mean I'm just talking about us as, as a big game team big game are we do we struggle with big games um history says yes um I do believe every time you turn over a team or a management team, then you, sh- you, you should have a fresh start. And, and I don't really buy this idea that, you know, it, it's, it's, in, you know it's been going on for, for the... I mean, it feels like it has, but I just don't buy that it's integral as part of the club that we, we can't produce in big games because, because, you know, there isn't anybody that's been at the club for those 40 years. Um, so Peter Gillum. Yeah, Peter Gillum. Well, let's blame it on Peter Gillum then. It's obviously Peter's fault. We, we didn't lose against Fulham last summer because we lost against Wigan in 1985. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and that is exactly the point I'm making. You know, it, so Peter Gillum's been here for that time, length of time. No one else has. It, it, it's not, you know, it, it isn't made that we just are no good. I, I don't believe because it's Brentford Football Club. Um, how you know, but this season is is massive because we failed last season in the big games I, I think it's I think it's really lazy and I think it's it's a, it's a great it's a great um, troll uh, put down on social media beyond that you know if you're asking are we a really young inexperienced team that didn't quite have the match for a more experienced Fulham team on the night yeah we're guilty of that um, did did we uh, waste a, a, an opportunity last year when when things were within our grasp uh, to, to 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 achieve automatic without going to the playoffs yeah we, we, we may have we may have done and you know we had the Brian Reamer uh, podcast where he, he talks about you know uh, sleepless nights and 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 the magnitude of what was in their grasp but that that's that's the youth you know we we, we aren't we and this season you know is it a crime to be currently sat behind Norwich and Watford who you know have got premiership pedigree there um and and we're always always going to be the two strongest teams you know is it a crime that we haven't we're not sitting above them you know it's, it's unfortunate and we could have done if we won every single game this season or you know it, it, it is frustrating don't get me wrong you know there, there's, there's probably five games I can I can think of immediately that if, if we'd done a little bit more or just changed a little bit we, we would be we would be top still but football isn't like that and and we play Watford second last game of the season and who's got all the experience it's Watford it isn't us so if it came down to that game and we lost that game. Does that make us serial bottlers? I don't know. I would say it's more, actually, who would you expect to win that game? Who's got the experience? I'm not saying we won't win it. I'm just saying, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. And, and for your own fans to be calling your own team bottlers uh, and with 10 games to go, I mean, what, what, is that, what is that even about? You know, what is it even about? Yeah, so, so listen, look. Listen, we can, we can talk about this till the cows come home. But tell you what we're going to do is we're going to go back and we're going to talk about uh, a little article that I wrote on besotted.com as well. And we discussed it last week on the podcast. Um, it's the predictions for the last one as it was 11 games of the season. So we're going to talk about those predictions a little bit and the implications so far after this derby came. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back after this twang. So... Basically, asked a load of Brentford fans, 
just give us your last 11 results very simply and we did a little poll and we put it up there on the website and I wrote an article called besotted.com and it was really really interesting the results that came out of that you know the long and the short of it what we said is that you know if you take 86 points as being the borderline of not reaching the playoffs around about 20% of the Bees fans polled thought that um, we'll be touch and go making the playoffs so 86 and below about 20% of them polled around 30% went for the nail baiting 87 88 points okay and about 50, around about 50-ish, went for sort of kind of 89 plus, 89, 90, 91, 92. Somebody even went for 95. My daughter went for 93. So, you know, she's quite young in the game. So I think she's got years of pain to come, like I was saying. You know, predicted us to win all the games except for drawing one or two, which is all good. And she's very excited. But I think, you know, she's going to support her Brenda for a few more years and realise that things don't quite work like that for us. Um, or maybe we're just programmed to think that way. But anyway... Um, there we go. These are the views, and these are the uh, which has come down. And like I said to you, it's on besotted.com. And uh, like I said to you, um, you know, over thirty percent of Beast fans poll were super optimistic about our end of season, predicting ninety points of more. Now, what was interesting as well in those predictions, right? Seventy percent predicted that we'll win against Derby. 30% predicted that we'll draw. No one thought that we're going to lose against Derby. So, you know, now it's interesting because a lot of people thought, you know, listen, we're going to go for Derby, but actually 30% of the people were a little bit more cautious than that, you know. And um, interestingly also that 20% of the people who thought we would draw at Derby were actually less optimistic about our chances of automatic promotion. You know, so that means 80% of people who thought we're going to draw at Derby, thought, tell you something, we get a draw at Derby, but we'll be all right. So tell you what we thought we'd do. We speak to one fan who actually kind of he, he, he put in the poll and he gave us his thoughts about, you know, how Brentford can do at the end of the season. Then he's going to give us his thoughts on how he thinks he's going to do after that result. We're going to talk to Reese Williams. This is what Reese thought about after that Derby game. Hello, this is uh, Rhys Williams on uh, last night's game, uh, which I'm doing while I'm walking the dogs. And yeah, I think I predicted six wins and five draws from the remaining 11 games. And I had last night's game down as a draw. Uh, but like everyone else, obviously, I'm disappointed that that is actually what happened, particularly given where we were after uh, at halftime. I... Uh, I must admit, I was probably being a little optimistic with my prediction for six wins and five draws. I'm probably tend to veer on the more pessimistic end of Brentford fans. This season has uh, the ring of last season about it in many ways, and I wonder if we might be heading for a similar outcome. But I also see no reason why we can't achieve the results that I set out. Um, I don't. What I what I do, would say is, I don't buy any of the panic. Don't panic, I think, is a good motto for, 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 for things like last night. Um, the truth is, I think that this squad is not as good uh, as last year's squad, yet it has outperformed it in terms of uh, results and in periods performances. Um, you know, is Canos an upgrade on Ben Rama, for example? No, he's not, but, he's, uh, but we're getting the best out of these players. You know, we've been without Norgard, we've been without Pontus, we're currently missing De Silva. And yet still there we are at the top there. So one thing I definitely don't buy is any of the Frank is the problem. What I can't imagine what some of our fans 
uh, find fault with our foreign manager for. Um, I think we, we're in it. We're, we, there's no reason why we can't get over the line. 89 points, 86 points, 83 points, whatever it was. We, they're all achievable uh, for this squad this season. Um, stay optimistic. Hey, mate, we might even win the playoffs. Uh, and on that happy thought, I'll let go of the button. So there you go, Reese. So Reese, he's kind of cool. Um, and he still thinks that there's not, we, we mustn't go into panic mode, is what he said. And he still thinks he would do it. But the interesting thing, he thinks like quite a lot of fans think, you know, um, he thinks that we are not as good as we are last season and we will somehow get over the line. And he thinks that maybe he was a little bit over optimistic, where normally he's not all as optimistic as that. And I think there's where a lot of us are. I mean, I. I put in. I thought we were going to draw as well last night, and I have to admit, I said to you, I mean, I went to bed straight after the game, and it's not. I wasn't really happy because we, we drew. Because the fact is that I thought that you know the fact that I put us down to draw and we should have won meant that we were going to be ahead of the game, which means that we could have probably tripped up a little bit down the line because I still predicted us to get the you know the 88 points, I think it was, which was going to probably put us into promotion automatic promotion zone. So now all of a sudden, I'm thinking the reality started to hit that we're going to have to be completely on point as we go on. And the fear that I've had seeing how we operated, particularly in that second half, I think in my head I'm thinking whether or not we'll be able to do it. At the moment now, we're on course to still do it, but I've got a slight doubt in my mind as to whether or not we will be able to pull it off. And I think, you know, probably Reese is kind of feeling the same way as well. And I think maybe you guys are probably feeling the same way as well. I mean, I know that I think you both actually put us to, to win against Derby, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Um, can I just say first and foremost, Bill, that's an incredible bit of work you did there. Uh, that that to, to pull that together and um, to write the article, I was like, wow, that is that's a serious that's a serious bit of, bit serious bit of work you did. So uh, yeah, you know, and I and I, and I think um, what it did show is that you know um, just because the, we didn't get a win yesterday most most people had had kind of conceded that we weren't going to win every single game so it was about the cumulative total of points rather than the winning game after game after game after game so um, that clearly that clearly underlined the the worth of of doing what you did um, just to show that you know if we drop two points it's about getting three on Saturday and then getting three after we come back from the break and then what you do then is you're, you're building towards an amount of points that historically should be could be enough whether it is you know the, the, my, my concern is obviously, you know, that that Norwich are already out, 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 you know, on the home straight, and Watford, they just carry on winning, and whatever we do, it doesn't really matter because they're going to be too strong. If that happens, we just got to hold our hands up, and I, and I think that's 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 what the lessons of, of I'm getting is that you know sometimes you just got to say you know it that's, it's out of our control, um, and I, I think I, I'm going to try and prepare myself like I would expect my players to and that's not to give up if I if I if I if I thought the players went out and they'd already given up after last night um, I'd be absolutely irate and I think as fans we need to we need to take a take a leaf out of their book sometimes definitely I mean and for the next two games to be honest with you I mean I mean what I did is I again my things was I went draw for Derby a win for Forest 
and a draw for Huddersfield. So again, there's a little bit of play within there because still I believe that we're going to get over the line. But now all of a sudden that Forest game is crucial because if we'd beaten Derby, we could have drawn against Forest and I still would have been comfortable. But we have to beat Forest now, and then it goes to the Huddersfield game. And if we draw against Forest, then that Huddersfield game is like we have to win that. Then all of a sudden the back end games become even more important. So I can see exactly what the analysts must do inside the Brentford backroom every single week trying to work out whether or not we're on target or we're not on target every week so I think it's interesting like I said to people check it out besotted.com like I said to you our uh, the, the line that we put was 86 but I think it's probably moved up to 87 or 88 now especially the way that um, that, that Watford are doing which is the magic figure that we're going to do to definitely get promoted we put it as 88 points possibly 89 points 100% that you know you're going to get promoted from that but check it out besotted.com it's a really really interesting exercise it's a really interesting read even if I did write it myself as well and it's also a really interesting thing for you to do as a fan because I think it will make you feel a little bit more relaxed about how um, how the team's doing over the season if you can map it against the results as they're as they're coming in as well but interesting because Brentford are obviously finding it quite hard over the last what, what's it, 10 games or so because things have changed slightly so we asked the winker the spreadsheet winker exactly why things are being a little bit more difficult for Brentford and this is what he came back with so then is there a statistical reason why we've been performing under par the past couple of months since the winning streak ended let's have a look at the pressing and xg metrics to find out Passes per defensive action, or how many passes a team lets the opposition make in front of them before challenging for the ball, is the best measure of pressing that we have. And the lower the number, the higher that you press or are being pressed. So this season, bees averaged 10.31 PPDA, and our opposition averaged 13.91. Since playing Reading, every team with the exception of Derby on Tuesday night have pressed as harder than the average. Compared to the start of the season and the unbeaten run, where teams were sitting off and routinely allowing us 20 passes before they tackled us, this is a significant change in attack from our opponents. Using Derby as an example, they allowed 14.39 passes per defensive action on Tuesday, compared to more than twice that in the 0-0 draw at New Griffin Park. And we are clearly less comfortable with this tactic, and the difficulty we have in creating big chances when being pressed is shown in our XG. Since that Reading game, we've only created more than our average of 1.65 XG per match in two games, against the appalling Sheffield Wednesday and Blackburn where we'd have been below average if not for the penalty. In seven of those nine games, we've also created less XG than the opposition. Since this coincides perfectly with when teams stopped laying off and started out-pressing us, I think it's fair to say that we struggle a lot more when we're being pressed. Put it this way, if I was an opposition coach, I'd be telling my team that Brentford concede more and create less when we're being pressed high. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker again. Just talking about Brentford this season, and like he said to you, I mean, he just said it's very obvious. The, the programme that he wrote, he sat there in his little vaults, you know, in his little darkened room, writing away in Python. And uh, as he said to you, no, you can actually map the points that we started losing the games and the XG battles directly to the point when teams started pressing us much higher. So like I said to you earlier on the season, teams that weren't pressing us, teams like Derby County, you know, all these teams, they weren't pressing us. And we managed to, well, we didn't beat Derby, but we did all right against these teams the first half of the season. You know, Coventry, all these teams. But second half of the season, they've obviously said, right, this is their weak point. This is what we need to do. And teams who have successfully managed to do that, um, have we've seen that our, they've restricted the amount of chances that we've been able to create and also they've actually restricted the results that we've had as well and that is quite worrying 
going into the end of the season and potentially, if things work out the way that we hope they're not going to work out, into the playoffs, isn't it, the Allard? Well, it is, yeah. I, I think there's two sides to the story, though. I think that when you're back four, is Rico, Pinnock, um, Janssen and Dalsgaard. I think you are a bit more mobile at the back. You're technically better at the back and you can play for a press better. I know it also involves the midfield, obviously, but, but ultimately that's where it starts off. When you're, when you're less mobile or you've got less technically gifted players, not worse defenders, that's not what I'm saying, but worse technically gifted players, it is harder to do it because it doesn't come as naturally to them. And that's what we saw last night. Last night, I thought in the first half, when we passed it around amongst the back four, it was a bit like, you know, like a half-time when the players just stand there on the pitch passing it to each other. And Derby just stood back. But then when they actually came at us, we suddenly couldn't carry on doing that. And, and that's when we were in trouble. So it, there's two sides to it. It's, it's a personnel point with Brentford's current personnel as much as it is now a tactical um, feature of other teams. And possibly some of them didn't do it to us before because they were shit scared we were going to play through them because then they're really in trouble. But now we, we seem incapable of doing it. We just have to be able to cope with it. You know, we, we, we've seen it uh, you know, in, in the recent weeks that teams do come onto us like that and we have to kind of, go, we have to kind of laugh and, and, and be confident in our ability to cope with it. Kind of, OK, here we go, you're going to do that, are you? All right, we'll, we'll do this then. You know, it, it, we, have, we have got those players. We were quite happy to hit it long when the pitch was shit. We, have to, we might have to go here a little bit longer when, when they're in full press mode. And if, it, if the press isn't working, they'll stop doing it and we can go back to playing the way we want. Yeah, and it's not, it's not just about the back four. I sort of oversimplify it because it is about the midfielders joining in. It's about the midfielders being able to, being able to, being able to, able to you know, if they receive with the back of the goal that they can turn or they can lay it or whatever. So it is more than just the back four. Um, but, but that's the root of it. And, and that, for me, is, a bit, is kind of where the problem is at the moment. And, and also interestingly, because um, I mean, players are just—you know—people are just talking about finding different um, ways of, of of around this. And you know, you're talking about you know having more mobility in the back. And uh, some—I mean, I noticed there were some conversations going down. And they're saying, look, you know, Bumo, he's not the same Bumo that he was. And sometimes when he's up front, yes, okay, he does lay on a few goals sometimes. But sometimes he can be a little bit of a kind of—I hate to say a, a, a sort of a wasting a space because that's not fair. But you understand what I'm saying, where he's not operating the same as he would do. But you know, it, do you do you think that maybe putting him in a position where they put him in before, where maybe he becomes, uh, you know, one of these, you know, flying wingbacks, you know, plays on the left. Uh, and, do you, and do you think that this 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 might you know this might solve that type of situation because he can go up front he he can be dangerous but also you know he can be probably like uh, Sergio Canos talk to defend as well or do you think that's very dangerous doing that at this time of the season? Yeah, so are we saying that we we did what we did with Canos? Was it two seasons ago where we turned him into a right wing back for a short period of time? We do that with Brian at left wing back. Um, I think that's what you're asking. I, I can't say it hasn't. It's not. It is something I've. You know, all sorts of shit flashes through my head when I'm trying to work out what the solutions are. Um, and we have occasionally put Brian at left back towards the end of games, um, probably games we're chasing. We have done it. He's left footed. Um, so I just don't think we're going to do it. Not with ten. Not with ten games to go in the season. I, I, I think it's something to try in a pre-season friendly or for a couple of pre-season friendlies. I think it's probably too late to do it now. How, how desperate would that look? 
I have to say, I have to say that if, you know, you know, well, you know, we 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 had a really good conversation earlier. I think about you know the cover the cover we've we've not got for Rico, and if that ends up being Brian and Bumo, I think I think oh, I think you just someone needs to be led away and shot. <laughs> I honestly do. Well, either that, or it could be a genius move. Yeah, you know. It, it, it could be a genius move, and you know what? If we had a cup game coming up, I'd be, I'd probably yeah. be saying, "Yeah, let's try it. Let's try it," because we can't do worse than not try it. But we have got ten games to go. Uh, can we no. afford to try it? I don't think we can. Well, ten games to go, and one of those games is against Nottingham Forest on Saturday. It's an early kickoff. It's on Sky TV. I think it's twelve thirty kickoff, something like that as well. So we'll be getting up bright and early to go and watch that game. But tell you something. We need to find out a little bit about the forest, about the information, about what's going down with them. So we need to go and speak to Holly from the Forest Fancast podcast. She's going to tell us everything we need to know about forest. Hiya, I'm Holly, also known as London Holly 1865 on Twitter. Um, I contribute to the Forest Fancast podcast. I'm a season ticket holder and a lifelong tricky treat from South London. Um, I think it's fair to say it's been a massively disappointing season for Forrest. Um, after just missing out on the playoff spot in a disastrous capitulation on the final day of the season, um, it feels like we've never really recovered from the hangover. Losing key players like Matty Cash and Ben Watson and not really finding adequate replacements. Um, instead of, you know buying a few astute signings in key areas, the club's solution was to basically buy a whole new squad of players and hope for the best, which really hasn't worked out at all. Um, I think we ran out of ideas with Lamucci at the start of the season, so replacing him was inevitable. I think there was a collective sigh of relief when when Hewton was announced. Um, someone with his pedigree in this division, with a proven track record of promotion, so want to steady the ship um, was exactly what we needed. Um, I think his process so far has been fair. Um, he's got us more robust at the back and harder to beat. Although a lot of fans have been frustrated that it's not been plain sailing and we're still very much fighting to avoid relegation. Um, I think ultimately he's come in, he's stamped his mark on the team, brought back some confidence um, and if he can keep us in the division um, I think we can push on next season and and who knows but I think it's very much about a a rebuilding job at the moment and I don't think people should be or have too much of a high expectation for next season Um, I think cementing a mid-table finish possibly 15th 14th 15th this season pushing on next season a little bit further so I think personally we're talking maybe two seasons time to even think about getting into the playoffs I think what's been frustrating is on paper we've got a really strong side full of players with wealth of championship experience um, likes of Lyle Taylor Luke Freeman who we got on loan from Sheffield United Harry Arter Cyrus Christie um, but I think if these this season has shown anything it's that you need a balance of experience and youth with perhaps some continental flair to really get something out of the championship um i would have personally liked to have seen a sign a young young hungry striker from maybe the lower leagues um but i think what's impressed are the signings that hewton's made himself in january um with the likes of philip grinovich Glenn Murray um, and in particular the young James Garner who we got on loan from Man United 
who's added some some much needed creativity in the midfield. Um, so I think since Hewton's brought in his own identity um, with the players that he has brought in himself, we've looked a lot more of a cohesive and creative unit. Um, I think it's just the, the lack of goals that's just so frustrating at the moment. I think in terms of the Championship season, this season, Norwich has shown that being relegated from the Premier League doesn't always mean disaster. Um, parachute payments aside, I think they've managed to retain most of their squad and are pretty much walking it this year. Um, also, a big shout out to Barnsley, who are quietly going about the business and climbing up the table. Um, I think they're on, what is it, something like a 11-game unbeaten run? Um they were surefire contenders last season for relegation, um, so it's some turnaround, so I think they're definitely ones to watch. Um, on the flip side, I've been quite disappointed by Bournemouth, if I'm honest, um, in recent months, considering the Premier League quality that they have on their side. I have been really surprised that they haven't cemented their top two place, and you know they may not even make the playoffs now, which is you know quite a shock, to be honest. Um, so in terms of Automatics, I think Norwich are pretty safe bet to go up as champions. And I'll say in terms of second, um, I think Watford now putting a strong, consistent enough run together. Um, they're looking very confident and I think they'll get the other automatic place. Um, playoffs are very tricky this year. Um, I think Brentford and Swansea have a big enough gap now to be sure at least of the playoffs. Uh, Barnsley is showing, as I said earlier, Barnsley is showing no signs of slowing down. Um, so I think they're a great shout. Um, with perhaps Bournemouth, who for me have too much quality to not be contenders for the sixth spot, I reckon. Um, Relegation-wise, I'm still very anxious about Forrest being dragged into the mix again, if I'm honest. Um, really tough run of fixtures at the moment. Um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, um, we've got enough under Hewton to steer us clear. So for me, it's got to be as it is now, really. Um, even with the games in hand, I think Rotherham, Sheffield Wednesday and Wickham are going to be making the drop. I just can't see any of those having a dramatic change in form um, that would see them climbing clear. I have to say, quite upsetting to see Sheffield Wednesday down there. Uh, along with Forrest, I see them as a very, you know, classic, traditional, old school, um, you know, football team. And yeah, really, really upset that they're, they're have look, risk, risking possible relegation. Um, so on to the game on Saturday. Um, historically, Forrest have done really well against Brentford in recent times. Um, I think we did the double over you last season. The win at uh, Griffin Park being my favourite away day from uh, from last season. Um, when we met earlier in the season, it was the end of a run of horrible fixtures um, where we hadn't won in like six games. Confidence was low. We're playing all the top six sides one after the other and we just couldn't buy a win for love nor money. Um, I think for Brentford, it was a perfect time for you to have played us. Um, if I remember, you scored fairly early on um, and then Knockhart got a goal ruled out for offside. Um, obviously, subsequently, he got sent off in the I think it was like 90th minute or something. But I think if his goal had stood, then we may have been able to claw something out of the game. I mean, your second goal killed us and our heads went down and it was basically shut up shop game over, really. Um, 
I think Saturday's match is a really tough one to call. The fact that Brentford threw away a two-goal lead to Derby in midweek, who really haven't been that great this season, makes me think that you aren't unbeatable. I know there have been a lot of surprising results for Brentford in the last couple of months where you haven't really seen games out and have lost your way slightly. So this makes me think that Forest, if Forest play to their strengths, um, have an urgency about them and overcome this dreadful goal drought, um, you know, we could be lucky. I mean, to be honest, I would quite happily take a point (laughs) um, right now if you offered it to me. you know, we need every point. To, every point we can get at the moment just to, to cement that um, safety away from the uh, the relegation dogfight. Um, I think Tony's been an incredible signing for you this season. Um, just shows what happens when you look in the lower leagues and you get those hungry players that want to play in the championship. If we can minimise his threat and maybe get one on the counter, you know, we might snatch a cheeky win. Who knows? Um, so... My score prediction is 1-0 to Forest. Um, thanks for having me, guys. Um, hope it's a great game on Saturday. You Reds. So there you go. Holly Royal from the Forest Fancast. And she's... Well, they've had a funny season, Forest. They just... I just they surprised me, it has to be said. I mean, I know last season, you know, this whole spreadsheet winker came out, the fact that some Brentford fans made it known that they felt that, you know, Forrest were, as they call it, punching, but, you know, that, that their figures show that they were probably in a higher position than they should have been. And uh, they weren't creating as many high-quality chances as it is in that stats world. And, uh, and so they probably should have been lower than the fourth or fifth position that they were in at the time. And I think that caused a little bit of beef, but... You know, if Forrest were to drop away, I would have thought, okay, fair enough. They'll drop away to seventh or maybe eighth. I never in a million years saw Forrest down in, uh, in well, at some stage, I think they're in the bottom bottom three, I think it was. They were doing really badly. So I didn't ever see them in that position. And I know Chris Hewton came in and we, we love Chris Hewton because he's an old B. He actually, he won the, well, he, he won a promotion to this same division the last time we won it back in 1992. And he was playing in the, in the defence for us then as well. So we love Chris Hewton. He's a great guy, great player. And, um, you know, we like to see him do well, except for when he's playing against us, of course. And, um, yeah, he's, he's come into Forest and... I can't quite work out if he's doing a good job or not. I mean, the Ellard, what, what, what's your thoughts? Uh, to be honest, I'm at the point of the season where I sort of only really look at us and what's going on around us. Um, I know Forrester were, were quite down when, when, he, when he took over. They've, they've scrambled a few results. Um, is it fair to judge him this season? I'm not really sure. Maybe they just need to get through to next season and then he puts his, his team together. I think, to be honest, it's always difficult to take over a team, isn't it, in, in, you know, in the middle of a season or d- during a season. Um, we'll, we'll just have to see. He's got a good track record um, and I guess he's going to save them from going I, down. I, I mean, uh, it, it's he? looking that way again. If you, if you look at the 538, we look like Birmingham City are pretty much nailed on, which has uh, got quite a few Brentford fans very happy about that. You know, our, our long 25, 30-year rivalry with a team who's about 100-odd miles up the M40. But, um, but just coming back to Forest here, I mean, just looking at their, you know, what they're about and their characteristics, what their strengths are, they're good at protecting the lead. 
but well, that's about it. You know, their weaknesses, finishing scoring chances, defending against attacks down the wings, aerial duels and avoiding individual errors. Their style of play, they like long shots. They attempt crosses often. They attack down the right. They attack down the left. They play with width. They take a lot of shots and they're very aggressive. So that is what Forrest are about at the moment now. I know Chris Hewton is, is deemed as being a bit of a safe manager so he kind of like you know tries to kind of keep it tight if he can do and see again if he can nick it you know so how does that sort of kind of sort of bear up for us you know needing three points on Saturday Laney he's 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 all right isn't he he's he's, I think he's you know he's obviously done enough to keep him in the division it it would appear um again he's not come in and sort of transformed them they they scared us a bit the game at the city ground um I know we won in the end but there was there was a time where you know they they had us on the rack I think Knockard had a had a gold slough did he not I don't don't know there there was something that I remember there was a it was a it was a big big decision that went our way in the end um and I know Ivan Tony scored that great goal at the end where he plucked it out of the sky to, to, to get the third. So yeah, they, they I mean they're equipped. I mean they've got they've got some they've got some decent players there. Um, and we'll see what they do against Norwich tonight. They're, they're playing them at seven o'clock this evening. So uh, you know I'm not quite sure what I, what I want from that. <laughs> I either want Forrest to turn up dejected or. Or Forrest to do a job on uh, Norwich tonight, but not not turn up on Saturday. So it's it's a, it's a difficult one, you know. We we always we're just looking for how each game, uh, you know, um, sort of affects our our, our plight really. So uh, yeah, uh, we have to win though. You know, I I build last Friday's game at Blackburn as a must must win. Um, I didn't say the same um, at, at Derby, um, but you know. Saturday's match. I, I, I wish we weren't the early start, though. Um, I, really, I really don't like those. Um, but it's, we have to win the game. The early starts are good when you've won afterwards, and you can sort of chill out all afternoon, though, and watch uh, the opposition results coming in. It. Yeah, well, we've got to cheat along, have we? Got, I, mean, I think there is a yeah, cheat. I think there is a cheat along actually. I think Swans. I don't know who Swans are playing, but they've got they've got Cardiff at five thirty. Oh, the cheat. I will, well, we'll definitely. Well, it depends on how the results go. We might have a well. What Watford's on telly straight after us, so it's it's kind of like an that's, all afternoon that's all day. I mean, we might have to go and get a few more beers in actually, like you know, to so go for the whole mm. marathon and then the end of end of end of evening cheat along as it is watching the cheats uh, yeah. play Cardiff. But anyway, um, Matt. Yeah, I'm not going to build that day up too much. Um, because it sounds like a fantastic day, um, but we do need to win for it to for it to sort of play out. If we don't win, I don't think I'm even going to want to bother watching the other two games, to be honest. Um, so, so yeah, you need to, you know, we we, we need to get in early and get it done. Um, it, 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 we're at the point of the season, aren't we, where every game feels like it's season-defining. Sometimes what happens though is, like 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 Laney just said, you get a win and then you feel like, okay, the next game we could. We'll probably, if we get a draw, then that's okay. And I get, but this time we need a win, um, and then maybe that takes the pressure off for the game after or or whatever. We need to win. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But we need a performance as well because we need. I think we need to see 90 minutes out of the side, really. Yeah, 100 percent. 90 minutes. We 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 haven't been that 90 minute team enough times this season, and that's what's required now. And okay, so look. We've talked so much on this podcast. This is a longer podcast than it normally is, but I think we obviously had a lot to get off our chest. The Derby game is gone. 
We've talked about the predictions. We've talked about the fact that actually, you know, look, we got a point against Derby, but it's not that bad. I think it's the manner of the point, the fact that we were ahead and cruising, and then we came back to, to you know, to draw two all. But the fact is that Derby defensively have probably been a lot better than they were early in the season. So if you look at it from a paper point of view, it's probably not a bad result. But we need to get a result against Forest on Saturday to try and just make sure that we keep in tabs with Watford. Because at the end of the day, we've got a game in end. And I think, you know, if we, if, we, if, we, if we win that game in end, we're two points behind Watford. And so if we continue doing what we're doing, we'll still be like that. And then we play them last game of the season or second last home game of the season. And it's going to be a little bit more defining than we think. So I'm going to ask you about this game. Score prediction, Laney. Brentford are going to win 5-2. Oh, Interesting. If you get that, mate, I might have to send a might have to send a four pack of uh, of special Love Laney beers down to you or something like that because that is that'll be properly out of the blue. That one, you know what I'm saying? The Elard. Yeah, get on to JB. Find yeah. out the last time that happened, um, and and also against a, against a Chris Hutton side because I, I, normally they're difficult to score. Not, against not when he was at Derby. You remember that game um, that we I had think... at Dar- the, 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 not, not when he was at Brighton. When, uh, when Chris Hutton was at Brighton and he played us at Griffin Park and it was an uh, unbelievable yeah. game and uh, that's an um, we were t- I think we were two 0 up at half time we lost that one three two didn't we? Oh, in the end. Yeah, fantastic, or something fantastic like that. It was an, it was wasn't there. it three all three all in the end? We went did yeah, we go three right. two up and then they we went three two up with a minute to go and then it was ended up three all and that yeah you're right actually and I think it might be knockout that scored for them as well. Um, your, your memory is better than mine. Um, so what do I think? Um, I think um, we need. I, I, I think we'll win. 2-1 and I'm going to go for 2-0 to the Mighty Bees defence is going to be rock solid again and we're going to get the heebie-jeebies removed again hey? <laughs> again again well I'm, I'm thinking back to earlier again. in the season actually oh again oh again right. oh yeah oh, again again yeah, no. you mean oh again 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 that's right again that's so <laughs> no, confused again. with your agains isn't you again you know? but anyway listen this is the besotted <laughs> pride of West London podcast. I feel a lot better after talking about that. I don't know everybody out there if you feel a lot better. You probably feel a lot worse after hearing us babbling on for the last hour and a bit. Anyway, but listen, I feel a lot better and we're going into this Forest game and fingers crossed we can get a result out of them because we really do need one. And like I said to you, we did the predictions and the predictions are saying don't worry, don't panic. It's all going to go down to the wire as uh, as Phil Holder said back in the day. So like I said, I'm Billy Grant and I'm here with the Allard. Yep, cheers, Bill. See you next time. Go on, you bees. And the Laney. Cheerio. And, and look, I said to you, we're going to Forest. Forest are coming down to Griffin Park. And you, Griffin Park, as you say, we need to get the points because if we do that, then we know that we're going to go into the next season's the international break, as we say. Come on, you bees. You bees. You bees. Let's get those tricky trees and let's just beat them. Unroot them. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.